Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning. It's Pastor Julie Lewis, and we are here on Father's Day, and we are in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, What are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able, all things can be done for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. When he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, This kind can come out only through prayer. The word of God for the people of God. Well, today is Father's Day, and many people avoid being in church because they aren't comfortable hearing good things about fathers. Their fathers were perfect, noteworthy, present, or they were possibly abusive. This is the same reason people might not come for Mother's Day, too, since their experience of that parent doesn't bring warm, fuzzy feelings. So it's just better to act like this day isn't happening, that we have nothing to celebrate. And truth be told, as pastors, we're encouraged to keep the secular holidays like Mother's and Father's Day out of the preaching schedule simply because, well, we're here to learn about God and not give shout-outs to a particular group of people. I don't always preach about Mother's and Father's Day, but when I do... I believe it's because our mothers and fathers, we all have or did have at least one of each, need encouragement, need to have their efforts acknowledged, and maybe could use some instruction on how to be a better parent. Every one of us can point to the faults of our parents, even if they were really good parents, and every one of us can tell a story of a truly terrible parent, even if it was someone else's. So for today, whether you had great or hurtful parents, I pray we will all find something in this message to become better people. Find ways to identify those among us who might need a little godly parenting they might not be getting at home. And to give us all a reason to support our fathers in the challenging job of being a parent. 
And the challenge of being a parent has not really changed since Adam and Eve became the first parents. First to Cain, then Abel. And we know the story, right? Cain and Abel bring an offering to the Lord, and for whatever reason, God liked Abel's offering more than Cain's. And Cain gets so angry and jealous that he kills his brother. Was his terrible behavior the result of bad parenting? Well, Adam was new to the whole thing, so it could be that he didn't know what he was doing. But even then, the father had spoken to Cain and warned him about his anger. Maybe it wasn't Adam's fault after all, but that's what happens, isn't it? We blame the parents for their child's behavior. And sometimes that may be part of it. Maybe he didn't take him fishing enough. Maybe he spent all day working and didn't spend enough time with his son to imprint his values on him. Those are some of the things we say about dads, don't we? Well, to be honest, the statistics are real. In households where the father is absent, the children are more likely to use illegal drugs, drop out of school, commit domestic violence, and an eye-opener is that majority of teenage murderers come from fatherless families. And when you consider that in the U.S. in 1960, 9% of children lived in single-parent homes. And in 2020, that number has jumped to 25%, nearly 19 million children. Now, the interesting part of that statistic is that the worldwide percentage of single-parent homes is only 7%. So what's going on in the U.S.? Maybe there's a reason. We have so many angry people shooting up schools and malls and now churches. I truly believe there's a reason it takes two people to create a child because two are needed to raise that child into adulthood. But we haven't always given enough credit to the impact and role of fathers in the lives of their children. Society in general has often sided with the mother because, well, you know, moms know best and dads just don't know what to do with kids. We've kept this traditional lie about mothers being the better parent, the one tasked with raising the kids, nurturing and caring for them, and dad just goes to work and, and makes sure they have all they need, the provider. And we stereotype them a lot. They need to be tough, can't show emotion, are the disciplinarians, do all the manly things around the house. And I could go on, but I think you get the picture. This is beginning to change a bit and swing in the direction of two equal parents, each capable of parenting on every level, but it is a slow process. Which is why I love the story about the man with the demon-possessed son. This is a father who cares, who fights for his child. We don't see mom anywhere, and we don't need to because dad's got this. He has suffered with anguish over what's been happening for years to his son. He's probably gone to the doctors, gone to the priests, and tried all those potions in the street, anything that might help, but nothing has. So he brings him to Jesus. This passage is notable for many reasons. First, it holds one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, I believe, help my unbelief. Yet this passage isn't in the lectionary, that three-year cycle to be preached on. I found that odd. It might have to do with the whole demon-possessed thing, but I don't know. Second, this happens just after the transfiguration, where Jesus and takes Peter, James, and John, goes up Mount Tabor, and they see Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus, and Jesus himself is transfigured into radiance before them. And that story has a lot of parallels with Moses going up to Mount Sinai and returning with a glowing face. 
When this crowd sees Jesus, they are overcome with awe, possibly because he's still glowing a little. I don't know. Third, even though when the disciples were sent out before, they were able to do miracles and cast out demons, they can't seem to do it now. It's a puzzle. It's not new to have a father come to Jesus to ask for the healing of their child. Jairus begs Jesus to heal his daughter in Mark 5. An officer in Capernaum asks Jesus to heal his son in John 4. Our father here in Mark 9 is very persistent. He just doesn't give up. He takes the child to see Jesus, but he was up the mountain at the time, so the other disciples tried to do the job, and they fail. Now, we really don't know what the scribes and the disciples were arguing about, just that they were arguing. And we can hear Christ's frustration. What are you arguing about? The picture I get in my mind of this scene is the father holding his son, carrying him from person to person to get help. And he's being totally ignored while they stand there arguing. Have you ever been in that kind of situation? Like there's an emergency something urgent, and the people around you don't see it, ignore you, and spend their energy fighting over something else? That's kind of how I feel about our government right now, but we won't talk about that. Jesus is able to bring them back to the point at hand. The father jumps on his mission again to bring his son to Jesus for healing. And we know what happens. The, this boy, tormented by the spirit, convulses, falls on the ground, and starts foaming at the mouth. The father, also tormented by seeing what is happening to his son, begs Jesus to help him if he can. Jesus seems put out, if I can, telling him that all things are possible for the one who believes. To which the father replies, I believe, help my unbelief. So what does that mean? How can both be true? Is this kind of like, sorry, not sorry? Does it mean he really doesn't believe? but he'll try and say anything at this point because he really wants to believe in something. Maybe. It could be that he was full to the brim with belief that Jesus could heal his son, but when he got there and Jesus was nowhere in sight, the scribes couldn't heal him, the disciples tried but couldn't heal him, and they had faith. So did this father lose faith that it was even possible? How could he dare to hope, to have faith, when he didn't have any evidence of what or whom he was supposed to have faith in at this point? He was the father. He was supposed to protect his son, provide for his son. It's obvious he loved him. You can hear his anguish. What else could he do? Maybe that's where he finds himself now. I've tried everything. If Jesus can't do it, what happens next? Over the years, I've seen many fathers fight for their children. Sometimes it's been trying to fight to get them away from drugs or other addictions. Sometimes trying to keep them alive from their suicidal tendencies. Most often, the fight that ensues is just trying to be in their child's life. Fathers have had to fight harder than mothers to keep a good relationship with their children once the marriage or relationship has broken down. The court system usually sides with the mother on just about everything. Going back to the moms are always the better parent way of thinking. And moms use that to their advantage. I have a cousin that hasn't seen his son in five years because time after time, his ex-wife accuses him of horrible behaviors that aren't true. And even though she has no proof, the court always believes her. 
It costs so much money to hire lawyers and fight that ongoing battle, and it can wear you out. The emotional and financial toll can be severe. We've seen the sensational news stories as fathers fight to get custody of their children who have been taken out of the country or hidden where they can't find them. These, the moms in these cases almost always use the fear factor with their children, claiming their dads don't want them, that they're cruel and abusive, and all other sorts of other stories to make their own children scared of being with them. But most of the time, these fathers keep fighting. Why? Because they love their children and believe that they need their dads in their lives. Sometimes a child has to become an adult before they can see their fathers and then learn the truth about what has happened and see what's been taken from them. We all need a father in our lives who fights for us like that. Some of us were blessed to have that kind of dad, and all I can say is praise God. And for those whose dad might not have been up to that standard, all I can say is praise God. Why? Because somewhere, God probably put other people in your life that fathered you, trying to make up for the lack of a loving dad. And if that's you, look back in your life. I'll bet you can name some of those alternate dads, and they truly are gifts from God, the Father, who fights for you each and every day. And we need someone to fight for us, for our children, because in this life, we face demons of all sorts. In this world, it is truly challenging growing up, and those demons seem to be on the rise. Drugs, violence, bullying, high-risk behaviors, a lack of self-esteem. Where do we take our children when they are faced with such demons? Well, I think you know. Just like this father, we take them to Jesus. The battle is real, but only by laying a foundation of faith can we conquer all the demons in our lives. These kind come out through prayer, Jesus says. So we pray for our children. That's where we start. We take them to church and help them understand who Jesus is, the power he has in our lives to cast out those demons and to help them build that foundation of faith that can withstand any battle. It's easy to be like this father and think it's not possible to overcome some of the demons our children face. We can't seem to get past this addiction. We've tried everything. We can't seem to stop the bullying. The school won't do anything. We can't seem to figure out where all this anger is coming from. Therapy isn't making it better right now. And so the fight goes on. So where do we go? This father says, I believe. Help my unbelief. He didn't really let go of his faith, even when it looked like there wasn't anything Jesus could do. So don't let go of your faith. We all have moments that we think Jesus doesn't see us or maybe isn't willing to help, whatever the fight, whatever the demon we face. But holding on to our faith is the first defense. When we teach, then we teach our faith to our children. So they too have the best defense. And we persist. We fight day after day, and keep bringing our children to Jesus. Yes, the battle may be long and hard, but don't lose faith. All things are possible to the one who believes. So pray for our fathers. Support them. And don't stereotype them. Our dads are important in the life of our children, and we can't underestimate them. God created us to have two parents for a reason. If there is a child that is in need of a godly father figure, 
then reach out and support them by bringing them to Jesus. That's one reason we're called a church family, because we're in this together as a family, the family of God. Dads, the best gift you can give your child is faith. Keep in touch with your faith and don't let it go. Come to church and bring your children. Be present in their lives and don't give up. And if there are children in our community that could use some love in the name of Christ, find a way to bring them to Jesus. Sometimes most of those demons can be cast out through simple acts of kindness and care. Let our children know we are there for them and show them the love of God. That's all our children really need. So let us work together to rebuild and strengthen our families so every child has two loving parents in their lives. Let's love on our dads too. They can use the help. Let them know they have a father in heaven who fights for them too. And let's remind ourselves that faith is the key, that all things are possible for one who believes. Amen.